Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. I am doing a very hot off the press E3-based episode of the show this week because I knew I'd have a lot to talk about after E3, but it was so close to the air date of this episode that I knew I wouldn't have much time, so had a bit of had a bit of a scramble to get this episode set up, but I'm going so I'm just going to go for a more off the cuff style like I did when I was talking about the Detective Pikachu movie. Sadly, I will not have any guest appearances by Keanu Reeves in this podcast. I know I know everyone was expecting that. Uh, uh no, in all seriousness, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of the conferences. I watched the Microsoft one, and it looked alright. I, I didn't... I don't have an Xbox... I don't have any of the Xbox family of systems, so it didn't really mean much to me. I didn't watch any of the other conferences either, besides most of the Square one, and... I missed the good part of the square one, and of course I watched the Nintendo Direct, but I guess I'll just start with the square stuff then. They talked about a few different games they had. Not a lot of it really appealed to me. They have Octopath Traveler on PC now, which I already knew about, and I have the game on Switch, so I don't really need it to be on PC. I know... A little bit before E3, Kingdom Hearts 3 had that Remind DLC trailer, which looks interesting, but I'm not really sure what they're trying to do with it yet. Now, the big Square event... Well, actually, no, before the big Square event, I guess I could mention how they're doing ports for Final Fantasy VIII now, so 7, 9, 10, and 12 are joined by 8. It's kind of that era of Final Fantasies between the retro ones and the more modern ones. The gang's all here now. It is kind of weird that those Final Fantasy games are on Nintendo consoles, just blatantly. I was out at a Best Buy the other day, and I saw on the shelf they had Final Fantasy X, Switch version, and just surreal that this is what we've come to now. So many people are playing nice with Nintendo these days. It's really great. Anyway, yeah, the big thing was they finally had more footage of the Final Fantasy VII remake, the thing they announced six years ago and said almost nothing about during that entire six years. And the game looks good. Really good. Great, even. Looks like they're sticking true to that episodic format, and episode one is going to be primarily in Midgar, which I don't really mind. That was a big part of the game when you get down to it, and there's a lot they could do with that, just inherently, by the nature of Midgar itself being such a segmented town and being so big, much bigger than any other location in the entirety of the world of the game. I do have a few gripes, namely that they showed off Sephiroth. I like how in the original game he's just this guy that you don't really know much about. They build up to him. You see his handiwork for the first time in the Shinra office, so you know that he's someone you don't want to mess with. And then you get Cloud's flashback of Sephiroth, and 
you meet him for the first time. He just looks like some kind of, oh, okay, a bit of an anime-looking guy, but he just looks like a guy at first. You don't really know to fear him or anything. But here in the trailer, they, of course, had to give Cloud and Sephiroth a, Ah, oh, Sephiroth! Ah! Attack! Moment. I will say that Sephiroth showed more personality than I ever remember him having. It was like, oh, Cloud, you have to stay alive right now. Bye! Remember to hate things. It, okay, I'm kind of exaggerating there, but all I remember Sephiroth going is just like, Cloud, it's me, Sephiroth. He just, th that, that is the beginning, middle, and end of my impression of Sephiroth. Just, just alerting Cloud to his presence, and that's about it. So him actually saying stuff to Cloud is a bit of a novelty for me. Also, I guess people think Sephiroth looks hot. I, I, I don't know, I saw the screenshot of him. He looks like he has a disease more than anything. Uh, I don't know. I remember Sephiroth as kind of one of the original heartthrobs of the series when people started paying more attention to that kind of thing. I'm not really sure how they plan to break the game into different episodes. I seem to remember there being three episodes, but I can't guarantee that for sure. I I don't feel comfortable being quoted on that. If I had to guess, episode one will be the entirety of Midgar. Maybe getting into Cloud's flashback of Nibelheim. But if not, then that will probably be the majority of episode two. Episode three, I think, would probably be Junon Harbor and the Gold Saucer. I, I hope they do more than one area per episode. Like maybe episode three would be the rest of disc one, I don't know, because the game kind of starts spreading itself out a bit more. You get more stretches of downtime once you get out of Midgar and once you finish the flashback. You also meet Red 13 near the very end of the Shinra Tower. You don't get much to do with him. And that would probably be the end of episode one, so I don't know if he would even be playable or not in this. Red has had a lack of screen time outside of the original game, because I remember they didn't like animating all his fur. Technology's come a long way since then, so I would hope that they're willing to give Red more of, a, more of the limelight this time. But uh, the gameplay looks good. It reminds me of Xenoblade a lot. What I really like is the banter between Cloud and Barrett throughout the entire first boss battle. They have a lot to say, and... They, mainly Barrett, have a lot of personality. I also notice that every character seems to have new voice actors, which I think is probably for the better. I didn't have a problem with most of the voice cast of the Seven Compilation Expanded Universe, what have you, but Steve Burton as Cloud never really left much of an impression it just sounds kind of bored all the time. Maybe vaguely depressed. That, that's just him. That's Cloud, I guess. I'm sure a lot of it could be attributed to poor direction, because Square is a little notorious for directing their actors poorly. But, yeah, I'm just not going to miss the, that Cloud performance. New Cloud sounds similar, but already kind of better. And you know what? 
Steve Burton had a really, really specific contract where he was the only one allowed to voice Cloud in English, and he had to be credited as Cloud, and he couldn't work in non-union projects, which is actually common for a lot of voice actors, but all of this combined means that Cloud still speaks Japanese in the English version of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, even though Marth and Roy finally get to speak English. Like, dang it, Steve! Why is your contract like this? We could have had English Cloud. Now he just sticks out like a sore thumb even more with the lack of music from the game, the lack of spirits and spirit battles and stuff. I know it's not really Square being stingy so much as it is their weird licensing out to Nomura and Uematsu and that kind of thing, but it's still just a really bad look for them. And I guess that is a good transition into one of the Smash Brothers characters reveals, which is how Nintendo opened their Direct with the Dragon Quest hero, and... I was tweeting throughout this entire Nintendo Direct, but I just really don't care about the Dragon Quest hero. I know the series is really popular in Japan. It is the RPG in Japan, and I'm always seeing games for it being announced in Directs and stuff, but I know Dragon Quest has been around the block for a while. This isn't their first rodeo. So I think they deserve to have this representation. I was a little surprised that Dragon Quest got any love, considering how Square's licensing works, but they seem to be making it work. I'm really interested in what the music situation is going to be. Of course, the disappointment of the Dragon Quest guy was quickly undone with Banjo making an appearance, and Kazooie, of course. That That is just the dream. I could probably do an entire episode dedicated to Banjo thoughts and feelings. First of all, I loved how they recreated the K. Rule trailer from last year. That was already one of my favorite Smash Brothers trailers. But they, they really, they're knocking it out of the park with Banjo-Kazooie. They even got Grant Kirkhope to do the remix that we heard. Grant is as much a part of Banjo-Kazooie as Gruntilda is at this point for me. He, he's just an integral part of the series' DNA. Just how excited he's been for Banjo-Kazooie throughout the years, and how excited he is to be able to work on this, and how he's been involved in Banjo-inspired products like Ukulele and A Hat in Time. It just... Grant's a cool guy. I'm glad that he got to have this. I'm glad we all got to have this. It looks really good. Also, I'm on a little bit of a power fantasy because Grant liked one of my tweets that I retweeted from him and it was like, he noticed me. What I really like, though, on top of everything else, is that Mumbo Jumbo, the skull-headed character, is a background character on Spiral Mountain, and I just remember way back to the first time I rented the very first Smash Brothers game, I was like, oh boy, I want to make Squirtle fight Mumbo, and then neither of them were in the game at all. Then in Brawl, they announced Squirtle as part of the Pokemon trainer, and I thought, oh, Squirtle's here, 
oh, too bad Banjo's a, a rare character now. I, I think we were still, like, unsure of even Sonic at that point. I don't think he'd hit the scene yet. But now I can make Squirtle fight things in front of Mumbo. Oh, if there's a Mumbo spirit battle, I, I owe it to myself to control Squirtle for that fight and beat him up. Oh, but, uh, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is, is just amazing. It's great. I'm not really on board with the Dragon Quest guy, but I don't care. It, 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 they kind of deserve it. He has its fans. I still got Banjo, so all in all, I'm going to call it a win. Just, just, I'm just glad it's not Steve. I'm really, really glad it's not Steve. I don't want the Minecraft guy in this game. I'm sorry. Uh, other than that, Nintendo showed off more of Luigi's Mansion 3, and Princess Peach finally gets to make an appearance in these games. I guess she and the brothers and a few toads and the ghost dog all get to go to this luxurious hotel, and the narrator is getting a little sassy about it. It's like, Luigi and friends are all going to this hotel. Lucky him. I don't know what that's supposed to be. I don't know why the narrator is so sardonic like that. But the game looks really fun. It looks like it's going to be just one building, like the original game, but a lot of the aesthetic and gameplay is going to closely resemble Dark Moon more than the original game, which I like. I did an entire episode about it last October. I think both the games are equals. They succeed and fall short, where the other games do the opposite. I kind of play the second game more easily, since it's handheld and it's more bite-sized. Yeah, I'm not going to buy the 3DS version of the original game. I, I could, but eh. Anyway, yeah, Luigi's Mansion 3 looks really good. It feels kind of weird that it's called Luigi's Mansion 3 because the second one is called Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. It's not Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon. I mean, maybe they'll change the title. I'm not really sure if they'll do that or not. But Also, the 3, I, it, it kind of looks like it's almost trying to be the thinking face emote, uh, which is a, a thing that I use all the time and my friends kind of get annoyed with me for it. So I, I almost thought I was looking at a meme at first when I saw the title. Uh, Luigi's Mansion looks good. Link's Awakening looks really good. I watched some of the Treehouse footage of it, and they talked about how things like the Pegasus boots, which I, I don't remember if those were in the game or not. I, I think they were. Yeah, yeah, definitely they were. I remember now. The Pegasus boots, the power bracelet, the sword, those are always equipped. So now playing around with your items will be a little more convenient. You have more buttons on a Nintendo Switch. The art style and the music is adorable. The village theme sounds like some kind of mobile version of itself. You know, like one of those little things you put above a crib that spins around. Or Am I thinking of a music box? Ah. Uh, you, you can tell that I'm excited and doing this off the cuff because I'm getting a little weirder than usual, I think. Link's Awakening is also including the color dungeon from the DX version. Now, having colors in your video game is a lot less exciting in 2019 than it was in, I don't know, the, the late 90s, I think, when DX was. But it's good to see that they're faithful to that. And they actually showed off some new content 
they have the the chamber dungeon, I think it's called, where Dante, who was introduced in the following game, Ocarina of Time, makes an appearance as the host, and you get to build your own dungeon, and they they let A.G. Aonuma go through a dungeon that one of the treehouse guys made. It was pretty good. And I guess Dante is now retroactively a denizen of Koland Island. That's kind of funny. Not not, not sure why Dompe, of all people. I mean, I, I, I guess Tingle or Beetle wouldn't quite fit the bill. I, actually, when was the last time we saw Tingle in anything besides Hyrule Warriors? I know he caught on for a while, and the Japanese fans loved him, American fans hated him. I, I always kind of like Tingle. I'm not sure where he is now, though. Oh, well. They showed more Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I don't think I talked about a lot, but if you listen to the show, you know that I'm a Fire Emblem fan as of Awakening, and I'm really interested to see where this game goes. I think most of my Fire Emblem playing friends are a little suspicious of what the game might be trying to pull, but I'm into it so far. It's really interesting that they seem to have this time skip where we cut ahead to five years and... I'm guessing that's when the plot kicks off for real, or maybe it's the second half? I don't really know what they're trying to do with that, though. They they seem to have so much stock on this school format that it was almost like a, a Persona thing, where you had different days and you could spend them doing different things. So to eventually move on to five years later, when everyone is an adult, I'm not sure what's going on there. It will come out the day after my birthday, though, so maybe I could try to get it as a birthday gift. They showed off No More Heroes 3, which I'm not really sure what to think of that either, because they started development really recently, but they already have this, except it looked kind of low-budget anyway. I'm not sure how indicative this trailer is of the final game, but really glad to hear Robin Atkin Downs as Travis again. He just makes the role. I think I've said this a number of times, at least in the Travis Strikes Again episode. But I remember in the trailers for Travis Strikes Again, they had a different guy voicing him, and then they eventually got Travis... (laughs) They eventually got Robin to record the lines... And even made a tweet, like, yeah, it's not Travis without Robin. Like, I don't know if that was backpedaling, or if he really was just a placeholder, but I appreciate the fact that we know it's Robin right away. We know it's Robin before we even know he's voicing Travis. And uh, we also get Sylvia again. I don't know why Travis is fighting aliens all of a sudden, but I watched an interview with... Suda51 responding to Game Explain, and he said something about this game taking place maybe two years after Travis Strikes Again. So that game did happen, and it is a part of Travis's life. I notice he still has the scar across his face that he had in that game that he never had in either of the first two games. I'm wondering if they're going to go into that at all. No More Heroes 3... I consider myself a No More Heroes fan. I never really played the first one, but I played the second one. I played Strikes Again. I I gotta play No More Heroes 3. Travis is always one of my quieter favorite characters. I don't talk about him a lot, but 
he really is admirable when you get past the nerdy, creepy, pervy parts of him. Uh, they had the collection of Mana, which is now on the Switch's eShop, I guess. So I can finally play some of those secret legend trial of Mana games. I don't really know. And it looks like they're recreating the third one as a 3D game. They're calling it Trial of Mana. I used to know it as Seiken Densetsu 3. I don't really have much of an attachment to that game, but I've always been vaguely interested in it. So I'm really curious what they're going to do with this. If I had a bit more money and I didn't buy these fancy headphones, I might have taken a look at it. They also had another Mario and Sonic Olympic game. And, okay, is it me, or did they actually skip an Olympic year one year, or last year, or something like that? I don't really know. I'm just never really into these, because, well, first of all, they kept having the same characters over and over again. Then they finally added more characters, but they decided to restrict them to certain modes. And I just don't really care. It, it, it's nice that they have these games together, but, I don't know, they, they just kind of exist. <laughs> I can't believe Mario and Sonic have crossed over so many times, and everyone's just ambivalent. It's probably because no one really wanted them to play Olympics, they wanted them to go on an adventure. But they couldn't figure out how to make Mario and Sonic go on an adventure together. They figured out how to make Rabbids go on an adventure with Mario, but not Sonic. Ugh. Also, they had an Animal Crossing game. Yay. I don't really care about Animal Crossing at all, but I know fans have really wanted to have some update on this game ever since September. They deserve it. It's good for them. And the game does look a little different than usual, taking place on an island compared to just being a town somewhere. So they might go in a different direction with this. If they make this game more like Tomodachi Life, than Animal Crossing, well, okay, not, you know, not completely like Tomodachi Life, but if they adopt more elements from there, I might be more interested in giving this game a shot. The thing is with Animal Crossing, and actually Splatoon, is that those games move on their own schedules without me, and I'm a lethargic video game player. I need the games to operate by my schedule, so... That's something I don't appreciate in those games. That's also why I played Pokemon Moon instead of Pokemon Sun, because I was a bit nocturnal at the time of playing that game, so I would rather have the sunlight in the game, so I would just play at night in Pokemon Moon, because that would be when I'd be awake more often. Oh, I guess they also talked about some more Pokemon Sword Shield stuff. You can take a Pokemon into the ball Joy-Con and walk it around a bit. I think they had something like that for Heart Gold and Soul Silver, but I don't know, I'm not really interested in that. They had a lot of games that I could talk about, but I wasn't really paying much attention to. Like Astral Chain, Astral Link, one of those. Uh, it looked kind of neat, but also had a lot of really generic dialogue thrown over it. Machina X Damon something... I don't know what that was supposed to be. There's a robot in there. There's one game that looked like it had a Henson puppet straight out of Labyrinth, and she was complaining about something, then turned into a turn-based strategy game. 
Nintendo didn't even dwell on that. I'm pretty sure that was a collective fever dream. The last thing they showed right after Banjo, though, was they're doing a sequel to Breath of the Wild, which kind of makes me flinch, because if you've been here from the beginning, and if you've seen various comments I've made throughout different episodes, I wasn't the biggest fan of Breath of the Wild's departure from a lot of Zelda conventions. But I'm going to be optimistic about this. Maybe they'll kind of dial it back a bit. Maybe make it a bit more story-focused. Maybe they'll introduce a few more actual Zelda monsters this time. Maybe it'll be more the Zelda game for me than Breath of the Wild was. So I'm not gonna get too worried yet. Especially because Al Numa mentioned during the Treehouse for Link's Awakening that he wanted people who've now played Breath of the Wild, who maybe never got a chance to play Link's Awakening, go look at this classic Zelda game. So maybe... Breath of the Wild kind of gets people's attention so that the sequel can kind of get people more into a traditional Zelda experience. Which always feels weird to say since Breath of the Wild copies after the most traditional Zelda of them all, but you get what I'm saying here, I would hope. That's not to say that Breath of the Wild's sequel will completely abandon all the changes that the first one made. Far from it. I just hope that they find more of a middle ground Because for me, Breath of the Wild wasn't a Zelda game. It was an open-world game that had a few Zelda names thrown in there. I don't know, though. I'm saying all of this on the afternoon of the 11th, so I could be very easily outdated, but I decided I had to get this episode recorded sooner or later, so I just cut my losses, recorded at about 5 in the afternoon of the 11th. So, here I am. I need to write down more thoughts and kind of figure out what I need to do for the next episode, but I think this was a strong E3 for Nintendo. The other companies, uh, my friends were rating their performances. They were mostly okay with them, but Nintendo seems to be the winner because they actually showed a lot of gameplay. Final Fantasy VII looks great, though, and I don't know where all this love for Keanu Reeves has come from, but... He seems like a cool guy. I'm okay with it. Let let Keanu be a meme if he wants. And if you want to hear more of my opinions on things, I'm very regularly tweeting on the Bitcast's Facebook on the Bitcast's Twitter page. Sometimes on Facebook, but you want to go for the Twitter page. Trust me on that one. I was tweeting all throughout E3 as well, so you can usually get some real-time reactions from me if you follow me there. You can also listen to other episodes of the BitCast on Podcast One's website and mobile app. And with that, I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.